Welcome to Courageous Conversations with your host, Richard Dolan, a world-renowned speaker, mentor, and coach to many celebrity icons and global thought leaders. Listen as they share their stories and insights about what it takes to lead a courageous life, from overcoming adversity to living with purpose and meaning. Each guest brings a unique perspective that will leave you feeling empowered and motivated to make positive changes in your own life starting today. What's up, everybody? Richard Dolan here for another Courageous Conversation. And I've got to say, I've interviewed many people around the world. I've called them icons, leaders, thought leaders, even gods of industry, if it were. But the reality for me is this. Many of you have written and asked, who do you read? Who do you follow? Who do you listen to and are inspired by? And of course, celebrities and great sport legends and those who've authored great books or are up to great, wonderful, massive things are always top of list. But at the top of my list has been this man right here, Mr. Tom Bilyeu. I've been an admirer of not just his entrepreneurial journey, um, but have come to notice, learn, and get to know firsthand that there are parts of who he is and what he does in the world that some of you might see as a YouTube influencer. Some might even think that he's a social media platform uh, leader. Some of you might even see him as a really great spokesperson on topics like longevity, love, and living, as well as leadership and, and loving it all. But he's all those things and even more. And that's why I asked my dear friend here to join me for a courageous conversation to find out just who is Tom Bilyeu. Tom, so good to have you, man. Richard, thanks for having me, man. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's so cool. Listen, I got to throw you under the bus, though, because before we got started, I actually called you out on the fact that, hey, sometimes before interviews, I see, you know, some of my clients pull out a... <laughs> uh, some people pull out a comb. Some even, even, even dare yeah. put a little bit of hair product to get themselves started. But you, my friend, pulled out a lint brush and we got to thank Rick for, for spotting lint a mile away. But, uh, you know, yeah. it's indicative of who you are. You're a perfectionist, man. I really hope that's at the top of your list. Uh, you're one of the most impeccable human beings that watches his brand, his message, his communication style. Uh, and, but enough about my opinions of you, you tell me in your own words, how would you describe Tom Bill, you Tom? I'm a learner. So things have really come to me the hard way. And a lot of times I wish that they didn't. Um, I have a fantasy about being naturally talented, but that has not been my lot in life. I actually really struggled with that for a long time. And so the identity of the learner, uh, is the thing that served me so well. It's the reason I became successful and it's the thing I'm always trying to get people to understand. So once I realized, okay, I could take myself from scrounging in my couch cushions to find enough change to put gas in my car, which is actually a real story to, you know, building and selling a billion dollar company. And when you do that, you're like, yo, these are just ideas. I want to get them to as many people as I can, because even in my own life, it's just the, the dramatic difference from where I was to where I am now, all on the back of, and look, it, it is a ferocity. I learn with ferocity and most people can't capture that ferocity. And so that makes me sad. And I'm definitely trying to find the ways to help people spark that. Uh, but I'm a learner. That really is the only way to contextualize me. You know, some people might hear the word ferocity and think, oh, my God, is there a new virus out there? But but if it was, you caught it and and you've been really uh, haunted by it because you, you've always been described amongst uh, entrepreneurs, investors, uh, company watchers, and even business pundits, those who advise and or observe people who've been making great moves. I mean, you have a history of having that very tenacious, uh, feverish pitch when it comes to doing things in the world of business. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. Um, and I do wonder sometimes if I have uh, an unusual ability to be malleable. So when I think, when I hear people that, you know, they're like, okay, how do I get your level of success? And honestly, it's clarity. And then you have to want it so badly that you will do within the context of ethics that you'll do anything that's ethically aligned to make it happen. And most people just aren't willing to do that. And so um, I built desire up very early in my career, which is why I was able to sustain the suffering that goes along with learning because learning forces you to confront your inadequacies most people cannot do that. They lie to themselves when they encounter what they suck at. Uh, and I've gotten really good at feeling good about my willingness to go, ah, oh, you really suck at that. Uh, so 
yeah, my, my ability to build in that tenacity has served me really well. But to give you an idea, when I was younger, everyone thought I was going to fail. So my mom, who's always been my biggest cheerleader, quietly assumed I was going to fail when I left for college. Uh, the man who is now my father-in-law, when I asked for his blessing to marry his daughter, he said, no, uh, my best friend growing up said, oh yeah, I always assumed you were going to marshmallow your way through life. So it, people really have to understand you can harness the power of things that I will say biology has given us. And one of those is latent drive that you can bring out. And so I've put so much time and energy into not being weak anymore because I grew up weak. I was very weak into my early 20s. And my journey as an entrepreneur has really been about toughening up. And so learning how to get tough, learning how to uh, push my body has been a huge part of my journey. Uh, and yeah, that led me to look like, oh, you're the guy that's always had tenacity. But the reality is I'm only on the scene. I've only had success and any kind of visibility because I developed that early on. But that really is... Man, that's one of those things. If if you can figure out how to ignite that fire inside of yourself, it will serve you well. Because you're going to have to learn, right? I don't need people to intrinsically be gifted or good at something, but you will have to learn. But you're only going to have the willingness to push through. Um, I'm always told not to bring up the laws of physics too early in an interview, but I will say the second law of thermodynamics states that all things move towards chaos. And nowhere is that more true than trying to achieve something in business because you have the world is just changing at an unprecedented pace. Your competitors are trying to beat you out. And the only way, truly, as a law of physics, the only way to uh, reign in the chaos and create order is to pour energy into the system. And so you have to be that person constantly pouring energy into this maelstrom of chaos. And for most people, just it's exhausting. And so you really have to like keep coming. And so when, when asked to sum up, the secret to my success, it is that I simply refuse to break. And since I don't break, I never quit. And then I'm able to stack all that learning and then you actually get somewhere. But in any one moment, I usually look pretty stupid. <laughs> well, I'm not going to agree or disagree. I'm just going to let this be your interview. But but it's amazing that you you mentioned the word tough and, and especially the second law of physics, which is a little early in the interview, but I, I've already got a team behind this camera uh, feverishly scurrying around to investigate this this particular statement of yours so we can all get on the same page as you, Tom. Uh, but man, so good to see you, by the way. So good to have you here. Um, but you said the word tough. And, and you know, as I've got a list of ways in which I see you, I see uh, Tom Bilyeu, uh, an incredible fan, fanatic, creator of all things anime, things in the world of uh, some people might call cartoon or animation or anime. Uh, I see someone who's very committed to health and longevity uh, based on what you speak on, based on how you live, based on, I mean, gosh, we went to dinner, you ordered nothing and went to bed at 630. I mean, you're a guy who's committed to a lifestyle that, that, that lends to a healthy lifestyle. But I've also heard you talk about love and your wife, and we'll get to her in a moment if you're, if you're willing. And then of course, impact uh, theory, uh, university. I mean, the things you do, the money you donate, the time you give, the intelligence you lend, uh, all is a part of how we experience you, Tom. But I would have never guessed that at the epicenter of all of what drives you has been this commitment to escape a state of weakness and to always grow tougher through chaos. Would you agree with that statement and observation? Yeah, it's maybe a little more... Um directed than that. So I don't see myself as trying to overcome chaos. I see myself as at all times having a mission. So there's something I'm trying to accomplish. And the chaos just happens to be one of the things that I have to deal with in the pursuit of accomplishing that thing. Um, so yeah, having a strong why, knowing who you're fighting for. And I do think it needs to be very specific people that you can picture and that you love to your point about love being something that really, really drives me. Um, but yeah, I, I came early enough to what I call the only belief that matters, which is that if I put time and energy into getting good at something, I will actually get good at it. And if you combine that idea that I can get good at anything at any time, I just have to really give myself over to it with Kobe Bryant's idea of booze don't block dunks. So now it's like, oh, wait, there can be people that want to stop me. They're trying to stop me, but I can get so good at that thing that they can't stop me. And all I have to do is pour time and energy into that. That's probably the best framing for my life. And then it just so happens that, you know, I've, I've 
pointed that at a few things in my life. And if you point that kind of energy and willingness to suffer, to grow and get better at something long enough, it tends to yield. Uh, so I've been able to, um, do some pretty interesting things in my life as a result. Well, before we get to those, just for clarity, for those who are listening and who are obviously big Kobe Bryant fans, I, I hope you're saying that, uh, when he says booze doesn't block dunks, you mean like the alcoholic beverage, not like, yeah, it's funny. I, I will sometimes booze. spell it B O O S people booing you do not uh, block you. your dunks. I got you. Okay, good. So it's not alcohol nor Carlos Boozer, but you mean booze as a negative energy from the stance. Correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that That's a, a direct quote from him, which I love. But when you don't see it in writing and you hear it, uh, yes, people uh, people often think I'm saying B-O-O-Z-E. No. I mean, he rests in power. That guy was someone special. That's for sure. Oh, God. I'm so horrified. I never got to interview him, man. I never met him. Don't know the guy from Adam, not even a sports fan, but he was somebody because he went from the the sports thing. Obviously, everybody knows what he did there, but he won an Academy Award, dude. So he goes from basketball to winning an Academy Award. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going to get to compete with Kobe Bryant. I was so excited. And so then when he passed away, I was really shaken. I mean, again, never met the guy. He might as well be a mythical figure as far as I'm concerned. But when he died, I was just like, ah, like that one really bummed me up. Yeah, I get it. I, I can't believe you're right, though. Thanks for reminding me. He did win an Academy Award, and not to make this about Kobe, but about things that we both love and share um, in common as to what we admire. Wow, I didn't hear a lot about that Academy Award and why he won it. And it was really about his time exiting the game. Um, yep. and, and and speaking of wonderful exits, which became then magical new reentries, that kind of is sort of sums up your first chapter. You know, you were a successful entrepreneur. Um, from what I know in your story, both you and your wife were the founders of an incredible business. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that business and, and what role it may have played in, in chapter two for the Billius? Yeah, for sure. So we, uh, I had been partners with these guys for years in another company called Awareness Technologies. And I was so unhappy. Finally, my wife pulled me aside and was like, yo, you you can't keep doing this. So you need to figure something out. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go quit. I, after much soul searching, this is not a flipping thing. But I went in and was like, guys, you know, I just can't do this anymore. I need to go do something that makes me feel alive. And I left that company for about 45 minutes. And they called me as I was driving home from telling them, you know, I just, I can't keep doing this. I gave them back their equity. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm out. And they called me and were like, hey, we actually feel the same way. And so what would we need to do to keep working together? And so then we laid that all out and we came to an agreement. We we're going to sell that company, build a new company, but that company was going to be predicated on passion. It was going to be something where, because what really became clear to me in the first company was that you could you could guarantee the struggle, but you couldn't guarantee the success. And so I was like, all right, if we're going to do this next company, it has to be something that even in failure, I will enjoy. And that, that really became an important question because up to that point, my partners had always told me that the right question to ask was, if you could do anything and you knew you wouldn't fail, what would you do? And I used to think, yeah, that's the right question. That's so powerful. It's going to lead you to like really do the things you love. And then I realized actually the right question, since failure is almost guaranteed, the right question is, what would you do and love every day, even if you were failing? Go do that. And so that fundamental shift then became Quest Nutrition. And look, we were business savvy, so we knew how to structure it so that it could win huge. But we really went into it just, hey, we're doing this for a reason around metabolic truth. We want to help people. For me, I was showing up every day fighting for my mom and my sister uh, and because they were morbidly obese. And so I just wanted to like really make food they could choose based on taste and it happened to be good for them. And so I did just don't have moral judgments around people being out of shape, even though I think it is terrible. And I think every for them and I think everybody for their own sense of self-respect should address the body. And I don't think people get where they want to go unless they address the body. But you are not a better person if you're in shape and you're not a worse person if you're not in shape. But there are biological consequences. And so I'm always trying to get people to to find joy in their food, find joy in eating healthy and understand how much better uh, you just feel when you're eating well. So anyway, I go into that, you know, mission, 
sort of hard on sleeve, let's really build this thing. Uh, and then irony of ironies, in making a pact that we would not chase money, that we would build something that we really believed in and could stand by, we end up building by far the most successful company that any of us had ever been a part of. So this is really crazy. A super awesome lesson about the age of social media where being a good person is actually the greatest marketing message of all time. And that wasn't historically true. I mean, 70 years ago, eh, being a good person doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get the attention for what you're doing. And it feels like if I can slipstream with you, by the way, and you know, of course, congratulations on not just the journey, but doing it with your your bride and and for your family and for a great cause. Like, I mean, talk about not just generating net worth, but creating life worth, which is the value you give to and get from life. I mean, what what an amazing, amazing thing to do. What what an epic chapter in your life, my friend. And I know you're just getting started, but but talking about just the good and the bad and knowing that you're a real force on on social media i mean with 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 hundreds of thousands of views with with millions of followers around the world and you are one of the very few who talk on topics that generally have geographical boundaries due to laws or language and whatnot and and you somehow just will supersede them so you you connect at a really real level uh likely for a number of reasons that i can suggest but i'd love to hear from you um why right now do you feel that perhaps there there are good and, and bad actors, if it were, on this social media platform, our world, if it were, the the world of influence and messaging and, and voice boxing. Yeah, attention is monetizable. Attention is really powerful. People are always going to seek power. This is There's a reason that people will tell you over and over and over, and they really mean it, that money can't buy happiness. But yet people are going to pursue it to the ends of the earth. And as somebody who has both had money and not had money, I will tell you that money really is powerful. It's just not what people think. Fame is powerful. It's not what people think. Influence is powerful, but it's not what people think. And so when you find people that know how to leverage that, they're going to go ham to acquire because they know exactly what to do with it. And when you have something that is so disproportionately powerful, it's going to attract good and bad alike. Um, so social is very interesting. There, there are uh, real dangers that people need to look at in their own life and be very thoughtful. Your frame of reference in your life is going to control everything. So all of us are viewing life through a funhouse mirror that we have unintentionally hand warped to show us what we think is going to be there. And for a thousand reasons, from the 50% of who you are that's hardwired and unchangeable to the 50% that's malleable and you encountered something when you were nine years old that stuck with you. And I mean, there's just a gazillion things that end up shaping that lens. But once you take conscious control of that, you can do something very interesting. The problem is that most people aren't thoughtful about who they follow on social media and social media is creating your funhouse mirror, your frame of reference, partly. And so, yeah, people need to be really, really thoughtful. They also need to think critically and so that's one of the things I will say about stepping in front of the camera and doing interviews is if you come to somebody legitimately trying to understand their position, doesn't mean that you agree with everything they're saying. It doesn't even mean that you won't push back on some things. But if you first understand and then push back, uh, your life is going to get a lot more interesting and it will force you to really think through issues. And so when I first started, I wanted to really be invisible in the process. And I just wanted to bring people on the show and give them the best way to set up their own ideas. And then as I really started thinking about frame of reference and I was watching how um, the conversations out there that were beginning to shape the way that people viewed the world felt like there weren't um, enough people willing to take a stand and say, all right, this is how I think through to be different guideposts for people to go and sample and test ideas and then make their own uh, set of decisions. And so recently I've started getting much more involved in hotter topics um, just to give a counterpoint as a way to help people create the algorithm essentially by which they think through tricky problems. And, you know, I think all of us are just one brick for everybody else. But when you have enough voices laying these bricks down, people can really build something interesting for themselves. But I like that, you know, it all starts with intention. I know that we're both huge admirers and students of the space of human betterment. If I can just broadly categorize it from self-help to self-discovery to leadership development, this human betterment movement, your intention is sound. 
you know, we don't have to look too far to see red or blue or political agendas or should I run or not or um, things around very social, sensitive, culturally reshaping type narratives that we don't know if you want to touch. And so what I love about you taking a bit of a harder line and going a bit deeper into some of these conversations is, hey, I'm trusted. My fans and followers believe me. They know I'm of good sound intention because my only intention is that I'm going to make an impact in the world. And I'm going to give you access to great people and great conversations, whether it's about money or love or leadership or education. Um, is there a topic right now that you feel um, that there's a new bubbling interest in that wasn't there or as great as, a, as all the other topics that we've already cited before? There's a lot of things that are really popping off right now that I think are super interesting. The one that I'm really obsessed with right now is looking at history and understanding where the best of intentions, when you begin to hide things from people, uh, it it really gets dark fast, man. I sent out a tweet the other day and was like, hey, if you want a, a really fun weekend, read the Gulag Archipelago and then chase it with Mao, the untold story. Who? humans are capable of some crazy things. The reason that the Mao story freaks me out so much is that was like in the 60s and 70s. This was not a long time ago. So realizing how people can break bad, even with the best of intentions, I think that feels really important right now. You know, as you've got Elon coming on the scene and he's become this gigantic Rorschach test of like, people looking at the same thing. And some people are like, this is amazing. And other people are like, this is tyranny. And so... That is that idea of, okay, how do we have to structure a society, especially when you have these private companies that are controlling so much of the dialogue? Like, what does that look like? Who should be able to speak on what, when? Uh, that's something I'm growing. I That is the topic that makes me feel like the way for evil to take over is for good men simply to do nothing. And it's like, it, that's how it started to make me feel. I started feeling like a coward for not saying, hey, I think this ends somewhere really problematic. And so speaking up on that, uh, and then I'm a huge proponent of individual responsibility, which became unpopular. Like I, I looked away to build a business and came back and personal responsibility was no longer in vogue. I was like, what just happened? So you want to talk about when, when I realized that even somebody like, um, uh, Nelson Mandela wasn't getting his due. It's like, what is going on? Like that, that he, he comes the closest to like, if I could snap my fingers and be as amazing as somebody, he was, he's the guy that I would snap my fingers just because I, I can look at my life and go, I would crack 27 years in prison, not, not ready to rock for that. Uh, and then to come out and not just bludgeon people and really try to unify. That was really, really impressive to me. So anyway, that's gotten me but, 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 really, anyway, I I would too. I'd be like rice and water again. I mean, yeah, my dude and yeah. breaking rocks, dude, his, did you read the long walk to freedom? Man, I, I want to hear what you have to say about it though. Oh God. It's so good. It was just the, the thing that really sticks with me is this idea of the third way. So I wrote a whole comic book about this called neon future that I did with Steve Aoki. And it was us playing with that idea. So I read the book and he's like, okay, uh, Blacks are the um, the the largest demographic in South Africa. So this should be pretty easy for us to take over. And as we do, we're going to have a choice to make. Do we remain oppressed? Doesn't seem like a good option. Do we become the oppressor? And and he's got a quote there that that really hit me, which is that the oppressor gives up a piece of their humanity when they oppress. And I was like, whoa. So even though you get power, you give up something more meaningful. So that really hit me. And then the third option is unity. And in the book, he goes through, like, imagine making your security detail out of people who four months before that were keeping you in prison. Probably not the right guys, but he did it because he was like, I have to show people that I will, I will put my money where my, put my life where my mouth is. And I will find people that I think were high integrity that got caught up in a bad system. I'll explain to them what we're looking to do. And they did it, man. It's really, really unbelievable. So in this world where going back to social media, where we have these algorithms that are, I think, um, 
I don't think they they need to divide us. So I don't see an algorithm as good or bad. It just is. And so, but right now we're getting all this crazy division. And so my hope is to um, emulate Mandela's third way of unity and like finding that way. So anyway, the personal responsibility I think is huge. So you want to talk about being able to unify people, don't make excuses, come together. If you want a strong country, be strong yourself, right? So that all of that's big, not popular in certain circles. Uh, yeah. But that's when it, that that is the singular thing that changed my life. And so, and I've seen it change other people's lives from all walks of life. For people that don't know my story, back at Quest, man, I had 3,000 employees and about 1,000 of them grew up hard in the inner cities. And of that 1,000, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but we had a very substantial percentage of people that were... Uh, ex-felons or felons, ex-convicts, uh, former drug dealers, gangbangers, because I said, look, to me, I believe it doesn't matter who you are, matters who you want to become and the price you're willing to pay to get there. Now, if that isn't bullshit, then I should be willing to hire somebody even if they have a felony conviction. And so we did that. We had a lot of people that were amazing. They happened to uh, have gone to prison for one thing or another. And so being in the mix of that, you realize that, hey, You've got every excuse in the world to be angry. If you take that excuse, that will be your life. You're just going to be angry. You're not going to make any progress. On the other hand, you can remember what Kobe said, booze don't block dunks. You can get so good that despite your skin color or where you grew up, whatever, that you actually can succeed. But yes, you may have to work harder because of your zip code. So anyway, all of that, never thinking I'm going to be in front of the camera, not thinking oh, I'm going to tell stories about this one day. It was just like, all right, I got to build this company. I've got these... I can harness some incredible talent if I'm willing to look past something else, you know, that other people won't. And it's a mixed bag, by the way, because you will notice that impact theory, I do not do that. So it's like, let, let me not paint myself as a saint. This was a social experiment. But what it showed me was that when you got somebody who could take personal responsibility, it's unreal what they can do with their lives. And we can go more into that if you want, but it's, it's really amazing. But you have to face the hard truth that no one's coming to save you. But, but you know, Tom, it's, it's amazing. You're, uh, you're like a Pandora's box uh, of intellectual magic. So, you know, it depends on what you want to look for. Like this conversation is going in a complete different direction than I expected and one that I'm prepared for, but one that actually really lights me up because what you said was so vitally important. What, what I love as a dad and people who listen to this show, and we're so grateful for all those who do, um, some of them are parents or aunts or uncles or godparents or, or just have friends who've got kids and appreciate what the future generations hold as the possibility for where the earth will be going. But this individual responsibility conversation resonates with me as a parent because when I was growing up, I know who I looked up to and why. I know what I watch on TV or read in comic books, and I know what inspired me about some of those characters and or some of the things that they did and why. And, and a lot of that was just really fortifying the character I even know I've probably grown into or out of and into something else new. But kids today are listening quite attentively to all things social media. And we don't have to look that far to find some of the people out there and some of the actors out there. And I don't mean like actors as in those on the silver screen, but just all people who have a voice that to hear you say, hey, I'm going to slow down before I speed up and be absolutely clear on not only the message I'm generating, but the conversation and its quality, because I know people are listening and it matters. And that's really powerful. I just want to make sure I underscore that as both a compliment, but as an observation. And it lights me up because aside from all the wonderful passions you've got and the projects you have and the things that you stand for, it's nice to see someone and hear from you that you're taking your platform in such a way to say, you know what, I, I'm, you're a broadcaster. You're, you're, I wouldn't say that you're no different from Time Warner or from a Fox News or a CNN, but but you're listened to also. You have a following and people do lean in when you speak and they do listen to you when you actually share information. And it's nice to see you taking that on like a, an absolute responsibility. And I hope you agree. No, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So with all that you've said, you know, I, I want to maybe switch gears because 
And maybe the neon future was a wonderful segue into some of the things that you've got. What I found very fascinating about you, not just in the time that we've spent, but the research I've done and people I've spoken to who actually, in fact, uh, share a relationship with you, like like our dear friend, uh, which we share, Steve Aoki, um, man, no one, and I'm trying hard to find someone to say some really dumb shit about you, and it's impossible. No one's got nothing bad to say. Oh, they're no, out there. They, they, oh, they are out there. I will, I will guarantee you that. But those are opinions and those might be naysayers, but people who actually have been around you for a long time are like, you know what, this guy really has heart when it comes to what he does and where he puts his time, effort, energy, and resources into. And and with all the things that you've got, what would you say right now in at this juncture of our interview as we begin to wind down, what right now do you find yourself focusing on most that's really speaking to you? Aside from the fact that you know that there's an individual responsibility for you and the platform that you have, and with impact theory, of course, university doing what it's doing, what right now is really speaking to you? Because we just talked about what Elon's going through. And I mean, at the time of this interview, there's a huge collapse in the crypto FTX world. And and, and so uh, not getting into that conversation or the NFTs or the future of cryptocurrency, because I'm not sure if we want to chat about that yet nor now, because uh, I want to make this about you. Um, but where where right now are you really lit up to, to, to direct your attention to generate more content in and to have more conversations on? Well, so, okay, that's, that is a very big question. And probably the thing I struggle with the most is how do I narrow my focus down enough to, as a brand, be meaningful? But I will tell you the, the core of my existence is really about answering one question. And that is right now in the Western world, your zip code is the number one predictor of your future success, more than your IQ, which I actually find just horrendous. And so every one of us needs an animating force. My animating force is that. I don't think it needs to be that. I think that I can have a major impact on that through story. I tried. Uh, I created what was originally called Quest University, became Impact Theory University. And it was me just telling people, think like this, act like this. It will change your life forever. I'm not, I'm not wondering about this. I'm telling you, I did it. I know this works. Like this is just, it's, it's what I call the physics of progress. Like I call it the physics of progress for a reason. It, it is... It's not me like going, oh, I think like this is how the world works. This is human biology. This is finance. These are systems. If you play them this way, you will get this outcome. And look, in there is chaos. So it's not like, oh, everybody that takes my advice, you're going to be rich. It doesn't work like that. But everybody that takes my advice will be mentally and emotionally stable and able to continue down the path of the learner. That is like a guarantee. Uh, but wrapping that in the thing that is my obsession is going, okay, well, if telling people think like this, act like this only impacted 2% of people, which is what I have found, how do I impact the 98%? And the punchline there is story. And so if you've read Joseph Campbell's The Power of Myth, talks a lot about this, the importance of ritual, the importance of story, that we are meaning-making machines. You've all know a Harari is another guy that talks a lot about this, amazing guy. And I believe that by pursuing my own passion for story that I can focus only on themes of empowerment. And so I looked at Disney and was like, what they did is amazing. And the way that they got as powerful as they are today, and and this packs less of a punch now than if you were to look at Disney 20 years ago, but Disney, what made them as powerful as they are is they only told one kind of story and they told it from a thousand different angles and they created Americana. And I mean, it's it's really incredible to think that they created a cultural movement. And the easy way to explain it to people is, if I tell you I'm going to go see a Sony movie or a Warner Brothers movie or a Paramount movie, you don't know anything about it. But if I tell you I'm going to go see a Disney movie, you already know something. And so we wanted to do that. So if Disney created the most magical place on earth, we want to create the most empowering place on earth. And we just want to tell one kind of story over and over and over from a thousand different angles. And that story is... No matter who you are, no matter where you were, if you take responsibility for your life, your actions, and for getting better at something, then you can achieve virtually anything in your life. So we tell the, the classic hero story. Somebody starts weak, afraid, scared, alone, and they get better. And we're just going to tell that story to death. And that is my obsession. To say that it's my obsession would be to understate how much I'm into this. And uh, yeah, I'm throwing all my own money at building something uh, extraordinary, meant to last the test of time. And uh, yeah, that's it. So how much can we break the 
connection between success and zip code. That is the mission of my life. I love it. I love it. I mean, and, and, you know, talk about being the superhero and unintentionally. So in a story that you're still writing and it, and it places you and your family smack dab at the, at the center of the, the power force, the source to all of the drive and motivation and the momentum in which you're bringing into the world. Because I mean, a lot of people listening don't, don't realize that, Hey, you, you go to a workshop, you head a head to a weekend. You might even listen to a podcast and you sit there and you listen to these wonderful people that speak men and women. And you go, wow, I want to be like that person. I want to make that impact and be revered that way. And they head off and they set up a website and they might even get themselves a social media handle. And they think that just because they've got an opinion about something in the world, people will come, they'll lean in, they'll listen and they'll buy from you. And it's not that easy. It's it takes something. It takes work. And and one of the first things that I've learned in my journey, and you're someone who comes across, and I and clearly hear it in you, that you're such a massive student. Um, but you are also, and more importantly, a living demonstration for the things that you speak on. So you're not I'm just, glad you said that. So yeah. my whole thing is, I would not allow myself to be in front of the camera if I wasn't building something at the same time. And so the thing, like. I, I am admittedly a raging egomaniac. I've just been very thoughtful to build my ego around my willingness to learn. But the cool parlor trick that that leaves me with is that you can give me a microphone and put me on stage and tell the audience they can ask me a question about anything they want. If I don't know, I'll just say, look, I don't know about that. But my ability to uh, think through problems in real time is easy because I just tell you what I'm actually doing. And so if you're asking me anything in any of the areas that I'm actively engaged in, we can go really, really deep uh, because I'm, I'm not a teacher, I'm a learner. So I'm a learner who's deploying this and learning every day, like literally minutes before this call. Uh, it's actually why I had to roller myself last second before we started, uh, because before this, I was in a marketing meeting and we're you know looking at what do we do here? What do we do there? What are we learning? Looking at the data. So my life is I, I thought you actually building a company. I thought you were shopping for shaggy rugs just to get that off my system. Well, you know, that yeah. too, obviously. You know, but but, uh, your marketing team is, is a big part of what you're doing. I mean, um, I, I may have interrupted you and I apologize, but let me slipstream with what you were saying is, is by observation, what people don't realize is it takes work. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of investment and it takes a lot of time. And, and unlike many other social media platform speakers and influencers, which by the way, you're, you're, you're some of that, but you're bigger than that. Um, and then likely in large, because you've got a team behind you that are really a very large team from, from my view. Um, can you tell us a bit about the organization you run and, and how it really does not only just make an impact, but it actually makes income. Because I, I think that what people don't realize is how you really run this world like like a business. And that's that would be my assumption. Would that be accurate? Yeah, yeah. Not not like a business. This is a business. Like my this is my forever company. So I am trying to build the next Disney. So yeah, this is where it gets very interesting. So whenever somebody asks me, you know, how do I get big on social media? My answer is always the same. Go get so good at something that when you come back and talk about how you got good, people are hanging on your every word. So many people fail to do the first part. Uh, and so it, it they just come and go. So that is um, really important to me is that you have to go in, get good at something. And part, one of the things I have to get good at in order to have the success that I want is to know how to build businesses. So Impact Theory is my third company in a row that's been multi-million dollar. Uh, the second one was Quest. And so that was a billion dollars. Um, so this is this is something I'm getting good at. And it's incredibly powerful because it's the only, you have to create a self-sustaining economic engine if you want to do the kind of thing I want to do, right? So I've, I've because I sold the company uh, for so much money, I, I generated a tremendous amount of wealth. But let me tell you that you could blow my entire net worth making Avatar 2. So it's like, these things cost hundreds of millions of dollars plus hundreds of millions more in marketing. So it's like, well, I knew I wasn't going to just be able to blunt force trauma my way, go fund the film and, you know, everything would be well. Maybe we could have done it once, but uh, if it hits, all's well. But if it fails, then we're done. And so that felt a little bit too much like going into Vegas and, you know, betting on red. So I was like, yeah, let's definitely not do that. So I had to build a company. So, yes, we uh, focus on structure. We have a team of, I think, 52 full-time people, but given... I know we're not going to get deep on Web3, but given what we're building on the Web3 side and the entertainment side, uh, 
we can fluctuate up to, you know, 150, 200 people at any one time as we're building. If something's really um, artistically intensive, we just launched a, or actually technically we sneak previewed uh, our short 3D film, 3D animated film around our Merry Mods holiday project launches. The short film launches on Christmas Eve. And even just watching the credits roll by on that, I was like, this is bananas. So um, that one, like four and a half minute film had, Jesus, 55 people on it, 60. It's, yeah, it's crazy. So you look at that. And so our our company expands and contract contracts quite frequently depending on what we're creating. But yeah, we have 52 stable people plus contractors. Well, that's amazing. I mean, first of all, I mean, Mary Mods, congratulations. You know, amazing. knowing that we both share um, a little bit of history and we have a connection in the world of film and entertainment development. Um, it's it's mind-boggling to know what that exercise is to come up with a body of IP, be creative and remain as enthusiastic about it at the beginning as it'll require to get it done at the end um, mm-hmm. and then sell it and then move it and then get people excited about it. So, so well done. I mean, in the time that we've got left, and I promise that we wouldn't uh, take up, uh, you know, over an hour of your time because I know how, how busy you can be. You know, I, I have got to put some time into your love life. And, and I know that that might sound forward and I haven't said your wife. Oh, come on. Let's get into it, man. I love this. It's like my favorite topic ever. From one dude to another, I, I've just got to just crack this conversation open because man, it's enviable to, to, to watch a dude that's so smart, so feverishly uh, learning about things in the world and sharing them immediately thereafter. You're a feverish reader, I can tell. Um, but then to hear and watch and see and witness that you're doing it not just to champion a wife, not to you know, not to elevate her, but you are doing it together, and I find that just magical and enviable. And it's not to say I don't have a magical relationship, but I think a lot of people listening need to know that there's there's a real power about that that I sense. Would would you agree? Dude, violently agree. So this is one of those. This is. We're in a weird moment. So I found my wife when I was 24. So I got very lucky. I've missed sort of all the red pill, black pill, like dark wolves howling in the background thing about the the relationship between men and women. Uh, and so I'm like, guys, the whole idea here is that you have a partner that is helping to shape you and make you a better version of yourself. And so Lisa and I got together in a really quite traditional relationship in the beginning. And it's really extraordinary to watch my wife go from housewife to entrepreneur and how we navigated that. But through all of this, there was there was a day where this was before I stepped in front of it. No, I was in front of the camera, but she hadn't really come into her own yet. And I ended up just breaking down crying and I'm not a crier. So that was like really unusual for me. And my wife was like, what is wrong? And I was like, "I it just hit me. You will never get the credit you deserve for who I've become. And when I think, dude, the, the dance between men and women and how you shape each other, like my wife is the only person who can use all of the psychological rewards and punishments and all that. Plus we have a sexual relationship. So now it's like, if she really wants to incentivize something, you know, when you're in that kind of relationship, you really have like the trump card to play. And people are weird talking about this. I think it's amazing. Don't think of it as manipulation. Think of it as gently guiding, nudging, shaping, however you want to think about it. But she took me from that lost, weak guy who wanted big things, but wasn't doing the things he needed to do to get there and used all of her ways, wisdom, intelligence, uh, feminine wiles, I mean, all of it to help me become who I wanted to become. And through that journey, we both started to realize like, hey, you're really good at business. Like you've got incredible business insights. You look at business in a way that's completely different from how I look at it, which makes us work well together because I can see what you're blind to. You can see what I'm blind to. And so together we've really thrived. And so she went literally from a stay-at-home wife to being my partner and and is a phenomenal entrepreneur in her own right, it's been really incredible. And so that idea of like a real partnership is something I want people to understand. And look, I get it. I want to be the man. I want to be studly. I want my wife to look at me in that way. And 
you've got to become a person worthy of that look, which is the easiest way to explain it. Um, but doing that together in partnership where she's amazing at things and we celebrate her for the things that she's amazing at, I'm good at things and she celebrates me for the things that I'm good at. It's way cooler. And so instead of me trying to be better than her at everything, which is what I thought she needed at the beginning of our relationship, I thought she won't find me sexually attractive unless I'm better than her at everything. And then one day it dawned on me, like who would want to be in a relationship where the other person is better than you at everything? That would be a nightmare. You'd be constantly confronted with your own inadequacies. And I just thought, yeah, that wouldn't be fun. And so once I had that realization, then it was like, whoa, we could really start to thrive we could see each other as true equals, as partners that each of us could sharpen the other. And dude, we've been married for 20 years, together for 22. So it's like that and a whole bunch of other tactics that we have are very effective. Wallace, man, I mean, what, what's amazing, I've read the articles, I've, I've seen you speak. I mean, you know, couples that are together and work together and succeed together have better sex together. I mean, that's the saying, that's the saying. But um, all, all kidding aside, it's fact. It's the fact. Uh, you, heard, you heard it right here with Tom Bill. You write from him, uh, his mouth to your ears, and that even in itself is sensuous. But let me just say this. Um, what I want you to know, and I want to acknowledge you as we uh, have our final few minutes left together. Amazing how an hour blows by. But, you know, there's a lot of talk out there where, where men have lost their masculinity and there's this this complete conversation where men need to restore that. And that's that's a great that's a great journey. And of course, there's this incredible female movement where there's female leaders and finding your inner feminine voice and being okay with that world and however that looks and there's something in between. But what I love is that you're talking like a couple. We're talking about when you're together, you can weather anything. And I just love that no one's talking about that. No one with your stature, with your stamina, with your creativity, with your life force with your tools and technologies and all the great conversations you've got going on across the creative field, you're talking about being a couple, being together, celebrating each other, elevating each other and, and blending in such a way where you don't lose a sense of yourselves, but together you become stronger, like one plus one equals 11, if I may. Um, and, and I just want to acknowledge you for that because I, I really do believe that that is just one of the great conversations that's been missing for a long time. And, and I'm sure glad that the billiards are, are at the forefront of, of, of speaking from there. And I just want to make sure I say that to you and uh, to Lisa, if you could pass that along. I will for sure. Thank you, man. It's very kind. So brother, listen, man, I mean, we, so, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how much I want to get through with you. And I'm, I'm very excited about uh, a lot of the things that you talk about from, from the, the, the physics of progress uh, to the fact that you work from this key called responsibility. I love that you've been talking about uh, that one question that's haunts you, and it's going to be probably the epicenter of the work that you're doing, which is shifting uh, people's ability and their position with prosperity and power uh, in spite of their zip code. Uh, it just sounds like you're a man on a mission and it just doesn't sound like you're slowing down, but you're speeding up. Uh, what do you want to tell the world? Like if you were poised up on top of a, of a hilltop and everyone was summoned to hear what you were up to for the next five years and you wanted to put it out there, what, what would you say that they can count on Tom and Lisa to be doing over the next five years that the world can really lean on you and learn from you as a result? There's really only one idea that I'm trying to get out. And so when I think about Carol Dweck wrote her seminal book, uh, Mindset, which is just so powerful, everybody should absolutely read that. So what I'm trying to get people to understand is fulfillment is everything. And so uh, maybe you get rich, maybe you don't, maybe you're the greatest of all time in your thing, maybe you're not. None of that's really gonna matter. What matters is humans are designed to be hungry. And so no matter what you accomplish, you're always going to want more. So now the question becomes, okay, given that that is the truth of our nature, how do you make that work for you? And the answer is fulfillment. So fulfillment has a recipe and that recipe looks like this. And everything that I do is going to be about dealing with this recipe. So uh, ingredient number one, you must work hard. Doesn't matter if you're given eight gazillion dollars and you spend your entire life giving it away, it will be meaningless to you unless you bust your ass giving it in a way that solves gigantic problems or build something, whatever, you're going to have to work hard. It is, it is a biological imperative given to you by nature. So to fail to work hard, you will never feel the way about yourself that you want to. So that's ingredient number one. Ingredient number two is what are you working hard at? And that thing is to garner a set of skills. So you're going to transform your potential into skill set. We'll call that progress. 
Tony Robbins talks about how progress is a foundational pillar to human happiness. I think it's better said that progress is a foundational uh, element in the recipe of fulfillment. But same idea. We're trying to, to get people to the same place. So now you've got your working your buns off in order to get good at something. Why are we getting good at that? We want to get good at that for another biological imperative, which is you are a social creature. There is a, an imperative embedded in your brain to do something for the group. So you're going to um, work really hard to garner a set of skills that allows you to serve yourself for sure, but also other people. If you do that, if you work hard to turn your potential into skill set that allows you to serve yourself and the group, uh, you will love your life no matter what. Whether you got all the things you wanted or not, you will uh, be on the field, bloody and broken at the end of your life inevitably and go, damn, man, I really played to win. And so that to me is is the formula. Whether I'm telling a story or whether I'm on stage or whether I'm doing a podcast, I'm trying to convey that and then the tactics to actually get there. Because to me, it's all about tactics. You can have the right thoughts, but if you don't do the right things, you will never win. And then all of your reference to likely a metaphor, and it might be a Freudian slip, but I'm here to confirm it. it. It sounds like you play life like a game and you're not playing for fun. You're playing to win. Would you agree? Yeah. So we talk about that at Impact Theory. So I, the analogy I want everybody to use or the metaphor is that a company is not a family. A company is a team. We are building a championship team and our goal is to win a championship. And so if you come and play every day, like you're trying to win a championship, you're my kind of person. If you're coming every day like you're on a rec league, you are going to hate it here. And that's why I was saying earlier, there are people that do not like me because they came to play in a rec league and I'm here trying to win a championship and there's going to be inevitable friction when those two worldviews collide. Yeah. Uh, so it is far easier to listen to me from the safety of a podcast than it is to actually work side by side with me. Uh, I will be the first to say. Now I do have heart and all that and I want to see people win. And, and that's why I think that it's hard not impossible, but it's hard to find people that have, that know me that have something bad to say. Uh, but I do, ex I have high ass standards of myself and others, and I expect people to uh, live up to that potential for sure. I love it, man. You know, I got three, three NBA championship rings. So I understand what you mean when, it, when it's all Set about the bar, Rich. Man, Set the, the bar. bar. The bar is the bling, bro. The bar is the bling. So listen, folks. I love it. I'm so grateful for Tom. I mean, for those who don't know, I'm, I'm again, admiring who he is, uh, loving what he's become, uh, madly in love with who he and Lisa are in the, on the planet, uh, champions for love and all things that are possible. Tom, I'm so grateful for your time. I know this is, this is just the beginning. Uh, I'm so grateful. I want to make sure I say this for the record. I am humbled to call you a friend, and I'm so delighted that we're going to be able to collaborate uh, to perhaps get my fourth championship ring, but to go and win our next thing, uh, truly making an impact in the world and hopefully together. Tom, so grateful for you. Thank you. Same, brother. Thanks for having me on. My man. And, and by the way, everybody, for those who are here, this has been Tom Bilyeu. Uh, check out the books that he's been talking about, uh, but more importantly, Merry Mods. If you're listening to this on, on the eve of Christmas Eve 2022, this is what will be premiering. Uh, I want you to go check it out. Support all things Tom Bilyeu, Lisa Bilyeu, uh, and all things Impact Theory University. Uh, again, we've been here with Tom Bilyeu, my friend, uh, a great leader, but more importantly, an amazing soul up to great things on behalf of you. Tom, be well. Thank you, brother. You too. Thanks for tuning into Courageous Conversations with Richard Dolan. We're on all the major podcast platforms, and we appreciate your support by reviewing us. You can follow our show at The Rich World on many social media channels. We hope that listeners like yourself enjoyed this episode. And remember to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or whatever other streaming services are available. Because we cannot wait to bring you more valuable content that can make a difference in your life.